You're listening to the Elvis Ultimate Fan Channel Podcast, the channel that is devoted 100% to the life and career of the biggest selling recording artist of all time, with your host, Steve Francis. Hello and welcome once again to Elvis the Ultimate Fan Channel. Charles Stone was tour manager for the Elvis Presley tours in the 1970s, working for Concerts West. He worked closely with Elvis's manager, Colonel Tom Parker. Charles shares his memories with Elvis fans worldwide, and I am delighted to say he joins me on the show now to share his stories of working with Elvis and the Colonel. Hi Charles, and welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. Can you start off then maybe by telling us uh, where you were born and raised and then uh, how you got started in the business? I was born and raised in Wichita Falls, Texas, which is like 150 miles north of Dallas. Uh, And when I moved to Dallas, uh, I was driving a forklift on the dock at Texas Instruments. My next door neighbors were in a band and they record they recorded a record and started getting some airplay. So one night they asked me would I make three phone calls for them and book the bands because they were leaving town and they'll pay me 10% and they were getting a thousand dollars a night. Well, in about 20 minutes, I made $300 and I was making $90 a week on the dock. Wow. <laughs> so I said, Whoa, Whoa, this is pretty interesting. Yeah. So, uh, at the same time, a, uh, national booking agency called me cause they had they somehow word got out that I was representing the band, which I was not. But anyway, uh, they said, we'd like to have a date. And I said, well, sure, here you are. I'm thinking, man, here's 10%. I'm making another 100 bucks, right? And they said, uh, would you come talk to us? And I said, well, what for? And he said, well, we're looking for an agent. I said, well, what the hell? I don't even know what an agent's supposed to do. So I went to uh, their office over here, and it was Associated Booking Corporation. And uh, he said, you want to come to work for us? I said, well, how much are you going to pay me? He said, $90 a week. <laughs> I said, sure, why not? I don't have to drive a forklift. I get to sit at a desk. Yeah. And at that point, we were, I started booking Little Richard, Vance Domino, and all of those acts. And, and man, it was so cool. And um, that's what put me in the entertainment business. And one Francis Albert Sinatra as well. Well, that came later, yes. yeah. But I only worked about three dates with him. Yeah. Before I got the call to go work with Elvis. Yeah, because it was while you were working with Frank that you got the call about Elvis. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so can you can you tell me how that came about? Obviously, your first co- uh, contact was with Colonel Parker. Would that be right? Uh, well, Tom Hewlett. I worked for Concerts West. Yeah, and Jerry Weintraub and Tom Hewlett got the uh, dates to do Elvis. Well, I was backstage in I think Providence, Rhode Island, or somewhere up north. Uh, with the Sinatra show, I got a call. And they said, you need to go to Alabama tomorrow to put Elvis tickets on sale. I said, what are you talking about? I said, we got the tour. And the colonel wants to work in this particular city because he remembers a good catfish restaurant from the old days. <laughs> I said, hot damn, hell yeah. And the reason I got the call is that we had done Led Zeppelin in Chicago and all the rock and roll bands down there. And it was a venue where you hired bank tellers. There was nothing... Uh, when you pull the, the venue, was just a big building. I was it with a manager. Everything else you had to put together yourself. Stage hands, uh, box office, everything. So I flew down. The tickets were already printed. We verified the tickets. And uh, about uh, 10 o'clock that same morning, we put tickets on sale. And it, don't forget it. We had no computers back then. So it was like one one ticket at a time or whatever. 
know, five, six hours to sell out 10,000 seats. Mm. So I had a phone number to call. I called the phone number, and I said, may I speak to uh, Tom Hewitt? Who's calling? I said, Charles Stone. He said, well, this is the colonel. Yeah. I said, I started a lot. I locked up. I didn't expect to be talking to Colonel Parker. Because remember, I'm an Elvis fan from my childhood. Yes. So anyway, uh, he said, are you in Alabama? I said, yes, sir. He said, I said, I'm calling to say it's sold out. He said, well, I want you to look at every drawer and see if there's any tickets left. I said, well, Colonel, I have balanced the money against my manifest. I'm not 100% sure he knew what a manifest was. <laughs> Mr. Stone, real firm. I said, yes, sir. So I set the phone down and opened the same, shut the same drawer six times. No, sir, there are no tickets left. <laughs> you have done a good job. You need to come. I want you to come to California. I said, well, I'm supposed to go back with this an opera show, Colonel. Just a moment. So Jerry Weintraub gets on the phone. Charlie, come out here, and I'll send somebody else back up there. I said, okay. So I fly to uh, California, and we I get in late at night. The next day, I drive up to MGM Studios, which is really a you know where they make all the movies, and they direct me back to Colonel Parker's uh, soundstage. So pulling and going in there, you see these people pushing cameras, people in costumes, just like you see. I thought this is cool. Mm. Anyway, they put me in the chair in front of the. Uh, male secretary's office in outer lobby and I sat there all day nobody talks to me except Tommy Hewlett he said don't worry we'll get to you <laughs> at least they ordered me a sandwich when they had lunch brought in yeah so we went to dinner that mm. night and that's where uh, we all got to know each other a little better the next day I went back and we started booking dates and from that date on the colonel liked what I did and uh, I just did nothing but produce Elvis shows for the next six and a half years that would have been probably in 1970, would it, tail end of 1970? Yep, tail end. You know, don't forget, RCA did the first tour. Oh, RCA yeah. Records did the whole tour by themselves. We weren't involved, but uh, it didn't turn out so well. So um, we got involved, and uh, then we did the rest of them. Okay, and so eventually you met the man himself, the great Elvis. Tell, tell me about the oh, first time you met oh, him. Oh, absolutely. Well, I was told not to speak to Elvis. Well, part of my job, was to meet him at the back door and direct him to the take him to the dressing room when he comes in. Okay, fine, whatever. You know, you know. I don't forget. I'm in my twenties, so I, I'm, I'm cool. Whatever they want me to do is fine. So I would meet him and we'd walk, walk to down the hall. I, and I would Elvis would be right beside me, and if Joe or whoever is around, like Dick or Sam or whomever, I'd say, turn right, turn left, go straight, whatever to the dressing room. So one day I'm guessing after about a week, Elvis grabs my arm and stops me halfway down the hallway and says, who are you? <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, shit, am I supposed to talk to him or not? <laughs> and uh, I say, I'm Charles Stone. I work for Jay Weintraub and Tom Hill. He says, I'm Elvis Presley, and shook my hand, as if you don't know who he is. <laughs> and from that day forward, we actually uh, became friends. I mean, how humble is that? Somebody's, you know, Elvis, you know, saying... I'm Elvis Presley. It's the exact opposite of somebody saying, you know, do you know who I am? You know, do you not know who I am? <laughs> oh, exactly. Oh, exactly. Just, he was humble. I mean, yeah. You know, yeah. here I am, a little kid, and he's, he's, you know, saying I'm Elvis Presley and shook my hand. And uh, it, it probably took a little while just for him to kind of get used to you being around and so forth. And then, of course, you got presented with the TCB pendant. Correct. 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 That yeah. must have been great. Nobody was allowed backstage, not even the venue managers. 
was presidential security. Sam Thompson, Sam Thompson put it right. When Elvis walks into a room, it just sucks all the air out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've heard people saying they could have their back to the door, but when he walked in the room, you could almost feel him walking in. Oh, I mean, it does. It just sucked, like Sam said, sucked all the air out of the room. It's all yeah. him, you know? Yeah, well, I, I mean, you know, another thing is is uh, he was he's on record as saying, you know, will people remember me when I'm gone? And here we are, sort of 44, 44 years after his death, and we're still talking about him. He's as big as ever. So I think you're right. I don't think he realized just how big he was and is. Well, I think he knew that he was a big star, but I don't think he really knew the impact that mm. he had on the world. Yes. That's, I think that's what I meant. Yeah, and I agree with you 100%. But, uh, yeah, that, that's the best way of putting it, yeah. I believe, yeah. Just tell me a little bit about the, the, T, the TCB pendant when he gave it to you that night. <laughs> well, that was an interesting uh, evening, and I cannot remember, and I should remember where we were, but I don't. But my job was to get Elvis to the dressing room, then go immediately go back out and get the show ready to go for him to come on, which means all the security and the police and everything. So I'm back out taking care of that, and Sonny comes out and gets me and says, Charles Elvis wants to see you. I said, what, what, what for? What do I do? He said, oh, no, no, it's all good. Because, <laughs> you know, he doesn't ask on me very often. Yeah. And he said, no, no, come on back. It's good. Okay. So we go back to the dressing room, and uh, Elvis says, come over here, Charles. And he picks up this little green box and takes a TCB out of it and puts it around my neck and says, you've been doing a good job for us now. I want you to be, you know, you're one of us. I almost cried because you don't ask for them. No, and uh, but that was one of my most memorable moments. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I could imagine so. I'd love to have had one from him. It's just, oh, it, it just, it must, like you say, it must be one of the highlights of your life. Um, what about uh, we were talking as well earlier, and uh, you were telling me about uh, the time Elvis wanted a picture with you and the family. Yeah, that's that's when we played. I think it was Dallas. It might have been Fort Worth. Once again, I did so many shows that run together. Mm. Uh, my family, I, my, my little daughter, my first daughter was born then. She was like four years old. And my wife was in the audience. You know, they, they got them tickets. They came to the show. And uh, Esposito comes out and says, Charles, Elvis would like a photo with you and your family. I said, really? He said, yeah. Now, I didn't ask for that. So I went out in the audience, got my wife, my little girl, and we went back to the dressing room. Well, my wife is holding my little, my daughter, not walking with her, holding her. Elvis tries to take her from her, and uh, uh, she's, she's <laughs> having nothing to do with that. And after, after about two or three minutes, which felt like 15, I said, Elvis, I'm sorry, man. He said, no, we'll do it next time. Don't worry. So after my, da my daughter and my wife get out of the dressing room, when I walk her back to the seat, I said, how come you wouldn't let Elvis hold you? Well, I'm not going to let that man in that costume in that big bathroom hold me. <laughs> it was uh, the dressing rooms in were like a gymnasium, yeah. like a changing room. Yeah. And she thought it was a big bathroom. I, I, I she... said, well, darling, to this day, you're the only woman on the face of this earth that refused a photo with that was pressing. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. She, she had a lot, lot of living down to do. She'll never live that down, that's for sure. <laughs> no, and she still remembers it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you obviously saw a lot of Elvis concerts during your time with him, obviously hundreds of them. Yep. And you would have been, sure what, did. would you have been outstage front? Not unless I had to, not unless the police were not doing their duty. 
Yeah. Uh, that's that was what that was a World War II battleground down there. <laughs> yeah. Well, after that first after that first car comes out, it's 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 uh, it's horrible. But no, I had but that was my job to control it. And if the police didn't do it, I had to go down there and help them do it. Mm. So you know, not very often did I have to get down there. But every now and then, I would have to go. Because I would tell the policeman in the aisles, I've got them facing away from the stage in a chair. I said, when you hear a commotion, don't look back. Well, you know, here I am looking like a, a drug dealer with long hair and mustache <laughs> and and taking orders from the policeman trying to take orders from me, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it never failed, man. After that first scarf, they'll turn around and look what happened. And guess what? About 30 women just completely run over them getting down to the stage. Wow. And then we have to clean it out because Elvis and the Colonel wanted the people in the front row to be able to see with nobody in front of them. That was, you know, they want everybody to see, see the show. Yeah. It wasn't a matter of security for Elvis, you know, cause he got his own guys up in the stage at six feet tall, mm. but that was the reason for that. So that never failed. But then if, uh, if the cops did their job then I wouldn't have anything to do, I'd just hang out and, over to the side, waiting and just making sure everything went well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I've I've only found one or two photographs of you actually, you know, in front of the stage with say Elvis behind you or Elvis beside you or something like that. You know, out of all the right. hundreds and hundreds of concerts that you were you organized, you know, there's only one or two photographs of you. So yeah, right. Yeah, that would that would have been right. Okay, so after and, and if, if I was if I was ever down front and the and the and I got pinned in with the women. And if Elvis saw it, he would stand over me and throw another scarf right in front of me. <laughs> and here comes here comes another surge. <laughs> and you can't move. I mean, you physically can't move. Yeah, yeah. And he'd get a kick out of that. He he'd think that was really funny. Oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there a, a Johnny Hara story that you can tell me? I have a note here, Johnny Hara. Yeah, absolutely. We played Denver, Colorado. After the uh, doors opened, we're all back to the band. We're just, you know, because in the first part of the show, I don't have a lot to do. And we heard these oohs and ahs out through the audience. I'm like, what in the world? So I got in front look. I see this guy dressed like Elvis up in the first loge going to his seat. <laughs> and uh, I go back, I forgot who I got. I said, come here, I'll show you something. I don't know if it's Burton or whomever. And I look out there, there's a guy dressed like, just like Elvis. He actually had the jumpsuit and everything on. And we'd never seen anything like that. At least I hadn't anyway. Hmm. So we forgot about it. The show went on. And the next day, uh, on the front page of the Rocky Mountain News, which is a Denver uh, newspaper, it was not Elvis's picture, but it was Johnny Harris's picture. So we carried that paper to the next town, wherever it may be, and showed it to Elvis. And he said, why would anyone want to imitate look like me? <laughs> That's how unbelievable it was. Yeah. And once again, the only thing you can say is, duh. <laughs> yeah, duh. Why do you think? <laughs> again, but it just boils down mm-hmm. to, you know, he never saw himself the way we could see him. Yeah, that's for sure. Correct. Yeah. And just to add, Johnny Hara played the 42-year-old Elvis in the movie This Is Elvis. Um, yeah. People always uh, 
ask uh, about Elvis doing a world tour. Why did he do the world tour? And a lot of people blame Colonel Parker for Elvis not touring uh, and going to the UK. I mean, he's he's still huge in the UK. When he was alive, he was huge in the UK. So one of the places everybody wanted to see him was the UK. Uh, what, what do you say about that? That's what a manager is, is there for, is to take the blame for anything the artist does or doesn't want to do, mm. or for any business reason. And I, see, I'm a manager of myself of musical attraction, so I understand. But no, the colonel did not keep him from going to uh, anywhere in the world. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, Elvis just wasn't ready to go over there. And he did buy the Lisa Marie, which would have made the trip. But um, I, we, at the time, Conscious West was doing the Moody Blues. Mm-hmm. And we finally convinced Elvis to let's just, let's go work Europe, you know. Let's go work, let's go, let's go work London. You know, we got these English acts coming here. We do them over there. We do the shows in in London. Why don't we go do that? It took us two years to really talk him into doing it, which mm-hmm. we did. Mm-hmm. So I had I had plane reservations the day after the tour was going to end. Now, this is a tour that we didn't do mm-hmm. to fly to London to book Wembley Arena. For the first time, they had seven days in a row. So we were coming. The colonel was not coming for two or three reasons. Number one, his health wouldn't have let him made the trip at that time. Mm. And number two, he didn't have a passport. But he could get a passport anytime he wanted it. But he just didn't think he needed one. So, and uh, Tom Hewlett and I did everything anyway. And so I was so we're fine. I'm fine with that. Colonel was fine with it. We were coming. And boy, that would have been so big. Yes. I mean, uh, Wembley Arena sort of holds between 95 and 100,000. And I would have said right. that Elvis could have sold that out for months and months and months, not just seven days, you know, for months. He could have been there for a whole year, probably, and still people looking for tickets. <laughs> <laughs> well, look what Michael, look what Michael Bublé did at the O2 a couple of years ago. Yes. 17 right. shows. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know. But anyway, yeah, Elvis probably could have, but we were going to do – what was it? Al DeVarn or a colonel always says, leave them more. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's and why. That's, that's one of the reasons why uh, uh, Elvis never uh, did a, an encore. He never did an encore. He always, he always went just straight away, straight off the stage and, and, and out. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying. You know, you were saying about it's, it's the manager's job to take the heat off his uh, his star and that's what the colonel did he took a lot of heat for elvis yes he did he even took heat after elvis died everybody kept kept blaming him hmm. and uh it, it didn't, i retained the relationship with him colonel billy became like a second father to me hmm. and one night he said you know in order for the because i asked him i said how do you that's when the estate sued him remember that or just not the state of tennessee sued him on behalf of lisa marie hmm. and I said, how do you feel about that, Colonel? Because he didn't do anything wrong. He said, Charlie, in order for the fans to make Elvis a god, they got to make me the devil. Yes. And I'm prepared to wear that hat for Elvis. Mm. He never in his entire life said one bad word about Elvis Presley. Mm. And at the end of the day, the state of Tennessee, after, what, two years or so, there was not one penny discrepancy in all the financial uh, dealings with Elvis. Well, it's, it's funny, but... Um uh tom hanks is doing a movie in australia at the moment with baz lerman right and uh 
Tom and his wife had uh, uh, dinner with Priscilla Presley. And, of course, they obviously discussed Colonel Tom Parker. That's who uh, Tom is playing. And uh, Priscilla said, yeah, we really, really loved the Colonel. He looked after us. You know, everybody expected mm-hmm. her to say, yep. you know, he was a, he was a con man and he was a rogue and he was this and he was that and the rest. And she said, absolutely not. This man looked after us. He looked after Elvis's name. He made sure that Elvis was always on top. Um, I mean, another thing is he um, he was uh, criticized for going to Vernon uh, right at the funeral and getting Vernon's signature to make sure that nobody else came in and stole Elvis's name and rights. And when you think about Correct. it, when, when you think about it, wasn't that the right thing to do? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because that all was not done. It was not done in any will or anything ahead of time. Uh, they would have been like a pack of wolves, really, wouldn't they? It would have been open season. Oh my goodness, absolutely! Uh, yeah, wolves and sharks and everybody. But uh, he was he was doing it as much for uh, he was doing it as much for Lisa Marie as well uh, and Vernon, obviously. You know. Sure. Yeah, and the estate, absolutely. You yeah. know, because uh, he knew he he one thing Colonel did know he knew about merchandising, and he knew how big it would be, and why let someone steal it from you? You know, he was yeah. protecting Elvis. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, obviously Vernon trusted Colonel as well because you know he'd been he'd been right for the the past twenty one years. You know, Elvis signed with him in nineteen fifty six and mm-hmm. nineteen seventy seven. Mm-hmm. He'd got it right. Well, mostly he'd got it right for twenty one years. You know, there's people who always say, well, he made mistakes with the movies, or he made mistakes with the tours, or he made mistakes with Elvis's catalogue, or something like that. But you know, you've 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 got thoughts about that. Even you know the nineteen sixties. The, the, when he did the movies, how lucrative they were afterwards for Elvis. Well, absolutely. I remember in Lake, we were in Lake Tahoe, and I'll never forget this. I do not remember what movie it was, but I'm sitting in the colonel's office. We're just about to go have lunch, and he gets a call from, I don't know, NBC or I'm one of the three. We had three networks at that time. This is before cable television. And they had a cancellation of the next week for a primetime show. And they wanted to use one of Elvis's movies. And I, once again, I don't know which one it was because mm-hmm. I was only listening to one side of the conversation. Yeah. But uh, he said, okay, you can have it. And it's uh, $750,000. You can have the run next week and one rerun after that. So before Elvis even got up that day, he made three quarters of a million dollars on something he did maybe eight, nine, ten years ago or whatever it was. Yeah. That's a good manager to cut deals like that. I agree, absolutely, yes, I do. I must admit, anybody that can do that, absolutely. The One of the big things right near the end of Elvis's life was the CBS TV special. Again, uh, again, people have said, oh, Colonel Parker made Elvis do that. Uh, you obviously have uh, an answer for that as well. Nobody made Elvis do what he didn't want to do. Is that correct? Nobody made Elvis do anything. It was, he approved everything. I mean, and even the Colonel, when he did the Ted Koppel uh, interview, said, nobody tells Elvis what to do. You're not, you don't, not even him, not even Colonel. Hmm. You know, I mean, Elvis was, was, he was a pretty strong individual. So, you know, but he trusted the Colonel to make his decisions, but yet the Colonel didn't make them without Elvis's approval. 
So Elvis approved every movie script himself. The colonel had nothing to do with that. Yes. Yeah, and, and I mean, nobody uh, held him to ransom when he signed contracts and things like that. There's another thing as well where they Correct. where they sold the rights to Elvis's recordings uh, up to 1973. Uh, again, Elvis wouldn't have done that unless he was in absolutely 100% approval. The colonel tried to talk him out of that. He tried and, to talk. Uh, he tried to talk him out of it. Yeah, he did, and Elvis. Uh, Said nope, I'm going to do it, and if you don't do it, I'll have my lawyer do it. Um, I mean, I mean, th this was done uh, sort of chiefly because of the, the the divorce with Priscilla. Would that have been right? There was there was money needed to pay for the divorce. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, really, what we're saying is is if Elvis had said. Absolutely not. I am not being filmed for the CBS TV special. I'm sorry, but no, that would have been it. Park would have just dropped the subject. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it would have been over. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just wanted to get that point yeah. across because there, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that say he was he was, you but know, you, but he you was forced into in it. Mind. Yeah. But you got to keep in mind, in order for the special to be filmed, it's just two concerts we were doing anyway. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. All they did is set cameras up. We were doing the shows no matter if we were whether the cameras were there or not. Yeah. Now, there's, there's, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, they, they say that he got $750,000. And as you quite rightly say, he, he had, he didn't have to do anything extra for that 750000 that he wasn't going to be doing anyway, which was the, the show in Omaha and the show in Rapid, Rapid City. So again, yeah. again, you'd have to say, well, hats off, you know, the fact that seven hundred and fifty thousand for just something you were going to be doing anyway is is pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, there was there was no special preparation on his part. He's going to do his normal show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and again, uh, you know, uh, he he would have. Um, they didn't really rerun it. They they showed it once, I think. Uh, in October 1977, after Elvis passed away, but it really hasn't been shown again since. So there's no real mon extra money that's generated from that. Now, wh whether whether the uh, state will ever uh, license it or not, I don't know. It's unlikely. I don't even know who really owns it today. Whether CBS still owns it or not. Well, most people seem to think that it's uh, the Elvis Presley Enterprises, and whenever uh, uh, EPE are approached. They say that there's, they have no plans to release it because they, they feel that, you know, it, it would just, I don't know whether they think it would open up Elvis to ridicule because obviously, I mean, he was in ill yeah. health. He was in ill health by then. But that, that leads me to another question, actually. Did, did Colonel ever discuss with you about Elvis's health issues and, and whether Elvis was overdoing it? No, 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 he did not. Because you mentioned the interview there, and uh, I remember the colonel saying, well, actually, Elvis asked me to book more tours, not less. He didn't want well, to slow I, well, down. I can, I, I, can, I can honestly say this. There was not one time that colonel ever called Elvis and said, let's go tour. Uh-huh. It was the it other was way around. always Elvis calling. Them. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, don't forget, also, Elvis had a lifestyle he had to be able to afford as well. Yes. Uh, Elvis spent a lot of money. Uh, he liked spending. <laughs> he sure did. And, he gave away most of it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, he always said, it's my money. Uh, <laughs> I'll do what I want with it, which is fair enough. 
you know, I'm That's sure, I'm, I'm sure even, you know, we know that Vernon sometimes tackled him about it. And I'm sure Elvis just turned around and said, well, you know, if I need more money, I'll just do another 10 extra concerts. <laughs> okay, so um, you were in uh, Portland, Maine, when the, the, the call came in that Elvis had passed away. Correct. And I was you, actually in the colonel's office. Yeah. Oh right, and the colonel and the colonel took the uh, took the call, and uh, it was it was just it was shut down. And did you then go to Memphis, or did you have to shut the door down? Nope, no, uh, because uh, immediately upon the announcement of his death, uh, I started getting phone calls at my office in Dallas, and they knew where I was. They've been calling me from every building manager that we had the tour set with, and all of a sudden it became a do we refund? What do you want us to do? How do you want to handle it? So I had to continue taking care of Elvis's business myself. So I flew straight back to Dallas and uh, it became, it was, uh, became kind of a nightmare, different cities, counties, states, and I had different regulations and rules or laws mm. on, on refunds. So, uh, but I had to go back and sort all that out. I would imagine there would be a certain amount though, that people just kept the tickets as souvenirs. Correct, correct. I wonder what percentage of people kept um, for souvenirs. It was probably, it was just, just shy of 50%. Really? Wow. Just so, shy of, yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 And then, um, what what did you do after Elvis? You Obviously, you went back to promoting other artists, did you? Well, I stayed with Conscious West for about another year or so and uh, decided, you know, it, uh, it's time to go do something else. So I went into uh, management and promotion of country country music. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you, and uh, yep. then I finally got to go to London. I had an artist, and we were only what at the Silk Cut Festival. If you know, remember those Silk Cut? Uh, they're the cigarettes. Silk Cut was a cigarette. Yes, that's yeah, right. They used to put on a country music festival every year. And uh, I had an artist on there, and uh, Roy Orbison and Marty Robbins were the headliners, and finally went over over there, finally and to England, and kind of got to know a little bit about the music business in the UK, and uh, just from then on, everything else is history, you know. Yeah, and and then you you came across uh, the Elvis impersonators or tribute acts, is that correct? One night. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know what to call them before. Someone told me ETAs. You know, I ETAs. thought that's what time you're going to get there. <laughs> yeah, estimated <laughs> time of arrival. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, I went. I went to see one, and uh, he was very good. And uh, my wife talked me into helping him, and we've been together 15 years. Yeah, and his name is Craig Parker. Is that right? Co- correct. Correct. Uh, now that's Craig with a K. Correct. Yes. You were initially you were you were apprehensive about doing it though, were you? Oh yeah. I mean, it, um, what happened was the Hard Rock Cafe was doing an Elvis contest for one of those birthday things they did every year, and they found out that I used to work with Elvis. I went probably I don't know how many years, fifteen, twenty years, nothing Elvis at all, and they found out I actually had something to do with Elvis, and they called me and said, "Would you come judge a contest?" I said, no, thank you. I'm not interested. Well, we're going to give you free food, beer, you can hang, you know, whatever. 
so I talked to my wife. I said, well, that's a Tuesday or a Wednesday night. What else are we going to be doing? <laughs> I said, sure, I'll come down and do that. Why not? <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was it was a horrible contest. I mean, it was you give the prize to the least worst. <laughs> and uh, after it was over, we, we got ready to go. And this guy said, you need to stick around and see the main act. I said, I've seen enough. I'm going home. <laughs> and uh, I stuck around. And uh, that's when Craig Parker came on with his horns, full grand girl singers damn this guy's really good hmm. so my wife made me uh made me have a meeting and go talk to him and like i say that's what we did and and you're st- you're still you're still uh touring with him to to this day yes yeah yeah we tour in the scandinavian countries every other year and I do a little bit in the uk but uh more importantly it got me back out and i wrote three books and now all of a sudden i'm getting paid to attend elvis festival so Man, it all really has worked out well for me. Mm. I love it. I mm. love sharing my stories with Elvis fans. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm sure that the fans are getting a kick hearing about this as well. Uh, I, I have something yeah. here, um, which it's one of your last memories of Elvis. Now, a lot of people think that Elvis was, you know, very, very depressed near the end, and he was a very, very unhappy man. But apparently, when you were on the Lisa Marie uh near the end, you heard him laughing uh, to a Peter Sellers movie. Is that correct? No, Blazing Saddles. Oh, Blazing Saddles, was it? I thought it was Peter Sellers. I know he liked Peter yeah. Sellers and the Pink Panther. No. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Blazing Saddles was the only movie in the front of the plane where we were. That was the only movie ever on the TV. So we, we didn't even play it after a couple of days. We just sat up there and talked. Yeah. 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 But you, you, you remember him laughing at Blazing Saddles. Yeah. Oh yeah, you can hear him laughing absolutely in his from his bedroom. Yeah, he he had a great laugh. And when we, and when we were we we played Pittsburgh on a New Year's Eve. Yeah. And as we're going in to land the night before, the runway had ice on it. Now my understanding is you're not supposed to land on an icy runway with a jet airplane. No. But when you're with Elvis, when you're with Elvis, there are no rules. Everybody lets him do whatever he wanted to do. So as we're coming in for a landing. There were stick comes on the PA system and said, "Okay, everybody, buckle up, because we can't use the brakes. We have to use the reverse thrusters, anyway, to to slow down." Yeah. Okay. Uh, We're not supposed to be doing this. Well, as soon as he finished, Elvis comes running out of his bedroom, gets up in the front, and said, "And to watch the plane land." So I'm looking at Tom and Joe, Tom Hewlett and Joe Esposito. (laughs) I said, "Correct me if I'm wrong." But the safest place on this plane right now is back where he just came from. <laughs> they said, "Yep." <laughs> yeah, they always reckon the back oh. is, the back is the most uh, the safest place. Anyway, absolutely. What was it? Somebody said planes don't back into mountains. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I, I've never I've never heard of a plane reversing into a mountain. Is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so your, your, your book is my years with Elvis and the Colonel. Now I, I, I actually checked out uh, on Amazon and it said unavailable. Is it available somewhere? Yeah, probably in Germany only from the publisher. I don't have any more of them and they're just too expensive to ship over here. Yeah. Uh, but my publisher in Germany has them. Okay. And would you have a link that you could send me that I could put in the description box for the, for will, anybody that's yes, interested? I, yes. Yeah. I, Yes, I will do that. I was supposed to have done that the other day for you, and I didn't. Oh, I will make a note right yeah. now to do that. Yeah. <laughs> now, I do have my other book, Life in the Elvis World, on tour. 
Oh, right. <laughs> I okay. do have that one. And I self-published that one. Yes. So if you go to myyearswithelvis.com, it's on there. Right. Okay, myyearswithelvis.com. Well, I can put the uh, I can put that in the description box as well in case anybody wants to to buy that one as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh Now you're in Ireland, am I correct? Yes, I'm in Ireland is right. Yeah. Okay, I you know Bondurin up somewhere in the Republic of Ireland, you know where it is? Uh is it is it Bondurin? Yes. 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 I, I pronounced it wrong. I was there a couple of years in a row for an Elvis festival. Right. Right. Uh, of course, yeah. at the moment, and, uh, at the moment, it's difficult because of the pandemic. But do, are, are you? Have you got plans to come back over again? Well, as soon as any any festivals are able to actually do something, yeah, you know. But I don't foresee that till next year. Mm, yeah, I was saying the same thing to somebody today. It'll probably it'll probably be sort of spring summer twenty twenty two before things get really back to what we would call normal. Yeah, I, I think so. And I, I would not fly right now. You know, no. I just. I wouldn't feel safe doing it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Even well, though I've got all my my two shots of the vaccine, I'm just not going to gamble, you know, because I'm unfortunately I'm up there in that high risk category. Mm, I'm getting near there as well. I'm 57, so you know, another few years, and well, I you're would... a pup. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. I feel great now. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, no, I'll look out for that, Bundoran. Or you can let me know if you're ever coming over. Let me know, and we can we can. No, uh, meet I, w- I would love to come back. That was a few years ago, but I really had a good time over there. Well, I you... have to tell you, I still I still don't like Guinness. No, <laughs> it really? just tastes like cough syrup or medicine to me. <laughs> you uh, you meet up with, or well, you used to meet up before the pandemic. You used to meet up with Sam Thompson, Linda's brother, didn't you, for the burger every Tuesday? Is that correct? Oh, every Tuesday was our burger day. Yep. And we'll do that again once all this settles down. Yeah, of course you will. Yeah, it, 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 it'll happen again. It'll happen again. Um, it's just yep. it's just taken a little bit longer than everybody hoped. Yeah, so uh, Charles, I'd, I'd like to thank you very much for sharing all your stories and, and memories of uh, your time with Elvis and, and the concerts with Elvis. Uh, it's been great. And I'm sure the fans have got a great kick out of listening to this as well. Well, I hope so, because the Elvis fans are the best fans in the world. Yes. I always say an Elvis friend is a forever friend. Uh, I agree. And it's funny, when you're talking to somebody uh, new, and then you find out they're an Elvis fan, you immediately like them more, straight away. It's almost like, you know, a, a big connection. It's an immediate bond. I mean, that's what it is. An immediate know? bond is correct. Family. Yeah. The Elvis family. Yeah. Elvis family is right. Yeah. Now, I know I was, uh, before we started recording, I was talking to you. I know it's uh, been quite freakish weather over there in Dallas at the moment. Well, a lot of the U.S. actually, but Dallas uh, is not normally like that, is it? This is really freakish weather for you. (laughs) No, no, not at all. I mean, I'm actually locked in. The streets are too slick to get out. We got snow. uh, We got power outages. Fortunately, I have not had a power outage. But some of these people are going without power in eight, nine degree weather for 20, 20 hours or 18 hours at a time. Yeah. Uh, and Sam Thompson is one of them. He just got his back this morning. Oh, no. I don't know how they survive, man. I mean, but see, I've got animals. I got dogs and monkeys. So I have to, I have a generator that if it went out, I have to put it a portable heater to keep the animals warm. Yeah. I've actually seen pictures of you and the monkeys. Yeah. 
Yeah. Go on. Which one you like best? The monkeys or me? <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to make a joke. I was going to say I wasn't sure who was the monkey and who was Charles, but I thought no, that was very cruel. I thought. <laughs> oh well, everybody says it. Yeah, you know, Elvis had a chimpanzee. Yeah, scatter. Yeah, yeah, in the sixties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You know, he also had a pet turkey. Did you know that? Yeah, was it called bow tie or something? Because it had like a black That's spot on its throat. You're one, of the very few, you're one of the very few people that knew the name of him. Very <laughs> few people know it as bow tie. Yeah, a lot yep. of people. A lot of people say I, I know a lot about Elvis, and I say, well, you know, he's been my life. You know, for the last fifty-seven years, it's been Elvis. You know, so uh, it's you, you kind of pick it up as you go along. Yeah, so, but I mean, I, but I, I the average the, the average fan has not a clue about bow tie. Okay, well, I must be... And of course, the joke is, did he live past Thanksgiving? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, Charles, so uh, I'm going to say to you now, really, that, you know, please keep safe and, and, and keep warm as well in that sort of uh, freakish weather that's happening over there. And uh, thanks very I'll much. I'll be real, Steve, and thank you, and thank you for having me today, man. Anytime. Hey, listen, it's been a great, great pleasure. Thank you very in, much. In the future, if I, can, if I can make it over, we're going to hook up and have a, have a beer. Yes, Definitely. I'll hold you to that. Okay. Okay. Cheers, Charles. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. A huge thanks to Charles for joining me on the show today. There is a link in the description box for his book, My Years with Elvis and the Colonel. Please check out my other interviews with people from the Elvis world on this channel. Thanks for listening, and I hope you can join me next time for another episode from Elvis the Ultimate Fan Channel.